0: it could well trigger a new era for our national game. The Gaelic Players Association met formally for the first time in Belfast last night
1: Players probably feel it's time that maybe some were their ideas were heard. The Breakaway Gaelic Players Association and the GAA hierarchy seem set on a collision course tonight.
2: And the official recognition agreement between the GAA and GPA uh, provides for um, joint commercial ventures. The player development program that's in place
3: is something that's vital to the well-being of our players. You do your utmost to, to serve the members, and uh, that excites me a whole bunch.
2: Every day, you know, we're working with players. They're at the centre of everything that we do. You're very welcome on to the Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association. I'm Kieran McSweeney and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Leash Footballer Colin Begley. And in this episode of The Player's Voice, we have a very special edition for you. We're recording this to Mark what would have been All-Ireland Hurling final weekend and of course events in 2020 have overtaken us and we will not have an All-Ireland Hurling final to look forward to until hopefully later in the year but this would have been the weekend that we would have been looking forward to what in many people's opinion is the biggest weekend of the year in Irish sport and in, in, in Gaelic games as part of that weekend, the Players Association would have been honouring the Wexford All-Ireland winning hurling team of 1960, the Cork All-Ireland winning hurling team of 1970, the Galway team of 1980 who bridged a 57-year gap when beating Limerick in that defu- in that final, the Cork team of 1990, of course, that hurling team part of the historic Cork Dublin that year, the Kilkenny team of the year 2000, 2000, the first year that Kilkenny the team, Kilkenny team under Brian Cody won in All-Ireland and the Tipperary team of 2010, that 2010 team being the first Tipperary team to win in All-Ireland under Liam Sheedy. Unfortunately, we can't have our Legends lunch this year, but we did want to mark the occasion and we did want to recognise those teams. And that's why we're bringing you this very special episode of The Player's Voice. And we have two very special guests. We have the Galway captain from 1980, the great Joe Connolly whose speech when they won Liam McCarthy um, will go down and has gone down in GEA folklore. And we have the great DJ Carey, man of the match in the year 2000's final when Kilkenny beat off Lee. DJ scored 1-4 on that day and DJ of course one of the absolute greats of hurling. Column, we don't have an All-Ireland hurling final weekend but Great to recognise the great teams and the All Ireland winning teams of the past.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's it's an unfortunate the situation we're in. Um, I was actually at last year's hurling final, and it's it's especially for a footballer. It's it's a really it's a great event, you know. Um, some some really tight atmosphere and energy at, the, at those games. But um, and also the former players' event has become one of the preferred events of of players to be able to come in and recognise those teams from the past players and, and teams who have helped shape the the game we're in now, you know, and help it brought to where we are. um, And also allows a few people, maybe former players and teammates to re-engage with themselves and, and, and touch base again if they may have lost uh, contact over the years. So, um, it's a nice way to be able to do it just to recognise those guys, um, to celebrate them and now to have two greats on the show um, talking about their experiences and give us insight into into their careers and how the game has progressed. I'm really looking forward to it and, um, yeah should be, should be a great show
2: um, and as you say, two two greats of the game, Joe Connolly, in that famous speech, um after Galway's win in nineteen eighty now slightly before our time column it happened three months before I was born, um and I'll be kind to you a little bit more than that before you were born um, but, but we'll have we'll have seen plenty of times over the years. Um, be it an All-Ireland goal on, goal on TG Carr and the the highlights that you see of the game and of the speech in particular as well we'll have seen it down over the years and of course DJ Kerry, um probably more we'll have seen more of him in the flesh and we have seen more of him live playing DJ one of the true greats of Hurling
3: Yeah like obviously Joe Connolly like I said a little bit before my time I'll say a lot but it's probably only a little bit before my time but um, we still recognise that that speech is, like I said, has been kind of carried out in folklore of the GEA and, and for great reasons too. But I've been involved in some other like player events and past player events and different uh, things we've organised, and I've heard uh, fellow teammates and I've heard other players speak about it and, and refer to it, and you can see the passion and the emotion it brings about, um, and it also kind of looks at how important the county can be both to the players and to the, even just the, the community and the county itself. So. It's something that will go down in, in history and always be there, and it's great to see. Whereas DJ Kerry more of my time, and like DJ for me was like he was one of those superstars, you know. Like you have a few of them coming through every once in a while, the superstars of the game, um, and the things he could do, like with with a slitter and hurl, were, were amazing to me. Like footballers, if you don't play hurling, it, it straight away amplifies how skillful these actions are, you know, um. I hate to admit it, but the, the hurdle is a really skillful game, and uh, I unfortunately can't play it that well. But I remember, um, when it was two thousand two, the Clare against Clare hurling final. Yeah. DJ yeah. score on on the wing, um, kind of. I think he lost his man right in the sideline, just like just kind of flipped up to his hurl, held it on the hurl, and just like outside the boot style, fizzed it over from the sideline. And I just remember going like pure class, like like with hurl score from the sideline of football, that kind of. That kind of legacy, but um look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to the guys. um DJ obviously as well has gone to into managing a bit now, so I'm interested to hear, isn't it, how the games developed and evolved, and even just their experiences from from what I, what is an unbelievable career. So really excited.
2: So your um, ability with uh hurling wouldn't be great. So how are you now? Are you, are you nervous about pitting your knowledge against two guys who are legendary figures in hurling?
3: Um, no, look, I'm not gonna try and lie about my ability in hurling. Uh, listen, back in the day, uh, Kieran, you know, in not bad college in secondary school, uh, I used to play, used to play a full back or half in a back. I actually, actually used to grab the ball, a good catch of the ball, and then what I do is I either run with it and kick it or just swing from the right side. Um, there wasn't much ability in it, but it was effective every once in a while, but.
2: Yeah, you have to know your strengths and being effective is, is exactly. probably more important sometimes than being skillful.
3: Exactly it, Exactly it. And listen, I'm here to learn from the best today. I got two greats on the on on the show, so I won't be doing much talking as regards trying to explain what hurling's about and what they can do in it i have let letting DJ and Joe tell us what the story is. And uh, like I said, it should, be, it should be a really good show.
2: And I'll be taking the very same approach. And we'll be talking to, as I say, two real greats of Hurling, DJ Carey and Joe Connolly very shortly. The Gaelic Players
3: Association, representing the interests of all inter-county players, protecting their welfare on and off the pitch and supporting their development as people. Well, we're
2: delighted to be joined now on the line by two men who are legends of hurling, legends of Gaelic games. Galway's All-Ireland winning captain from 1980, who was also the Texaco Hurler of the Year in 1980, the great Joe Connolly, and the man who was all Ireland final man of the match in the year 2000. He was also the Hurler of the Year in that year, uh, DJ Carey from Kilkenny. Um, Lads, first of all, delighted to be joined by you both, and thanks for joining us on The Player's Voice. Um, hope you're both keeping well. And Joe, I might start with yourself, because you, of the four of us on this call, have the most scenic view in front of you um, today. You're out on Inish Man and the Iron Islands. Tell us what you're looking out onto.
1: Uh, it's the most beautiful view you could ever imagine. Just look out the window, you're getting a corner of Inish Moor. We're looking at the beautiful Atlantic and and the most scenic kind of view imaginable in in the, in the loveliest of, of islands in Ishmael. We're just here for a week, so it's absolutely it's it's actually beyond words. It's so just beautiful and quiet and peaceful and everything you'd want, you know. So delighted to be here.
2: Um and and some great news over in that neck of the woods over the course of the last 24 hours, Joe, which you, we were talking about shortly a short time ago offline.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a huge story, obviously, of the two young girls that went uh, that were swept off uh, Farbo and Galway and were eventually found uh, 18 hours later or whatever uh, off the coast of the Iron Islands. And just in just in the particular islands, they're so used over the decades of drowning you know, that there's a great joy, actually, on the island that the two girls were found alive. And it was also a great sporting connection, obviously, uh, one of them was the daughter of Johnny Glynn A great girl in Galway And a well-known sportsman who, who scored the goal For Galway United when they won the AFI Cup in the 90s So there is a great relief Absolutely everywhere in the West And I'm sure around Ireland that the two girls were found safely And there's certainly you, you'd know that On the island here
2: No, it's absolutely fantastic You say you're looking out at the Atlantic We have got um, an American audience with us um, Today, so you've only got the Atlantic Between yourselves and them, Joe.
1: So next parish, next next parish from here is Boston, probably. You know, <laughs> I just the tradition. Like, but ah, uh, oh, yeah, it's great. And uh, you know, especially uh, if I might say, I've always thought of Galway and, and Mayo, but Galway, the the decimation of population, the decimation of of Anishinaw. and As you look out a window, there's there's derelict like, houses everywhere, and and Boston and 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 the states was the home that so many of them found to to make a new world for themselves. So. Obviously, we have very, very close connections with that part of the world. Joe,
3: so, can I say there, uh, Joe, on that point, I think Tours of Ireland will be on to you straight away after this podcast and maybe do a part-time role. You, you've sold me on, on, on a trip over to there, definitely, with that oh, lovely description.
1: Yeah, this is absolutely, lads. You, you won't get more beautiful day or a week or, or anything t- 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 like than in Ishtenown. And, and uh, you know, there's you know we've been landed with 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 mackerel and vegetables and food since we started like and everything like that so <laughs> extraordinary plain people and and an, an amazing view and and everything else yeah
2: so so dj
0: you have a lot to live up to now what what what, what are you looking out at there <laughs> Well I'm I'm disappointed that you didn't send me to Inishman as well because I was <laughs> uh, oh, but I can concur with Joe. Uh, I I was there last year maybe the year before a beautiful day on on a day trip actually went out on the ferry and uh cycled around the island there uh and um, yeah nearly fell off the bike a few times looking at the views so uh, I can certainly concur with that but I'm in a car park at the moment uh Looking at cars going in and out. That's where well, am, so you could have,
2: you could have actually told us anything there. You could have told us you were anywhere. We wouldn't have known. But look, I I'm could.
0: But I'm just giving out, out about the GPA budget, sending Joe to understand
2: <laughs> and me to a car park. <laughs> well, DJ, we we asked yourself and Joe on. Look, um, this would have been All Ireland final weekend, and usually the GPA would have a legends lunch on the Saturday before the All Ireland final. And we would have been marking some of the great teams of the past, including um, your own All-Ireland winning team from the year 2000 and Joe's team from from back in 1980. Um, Obviously, DJ, no All-Ireland final this Sunday. We hopefully will have an All-Ireland final to look forward to later in the year, come December, please God, if all goes according to plan. But it is a very strange year, Joe uh, and DJ, but... um, from a lot of perspectives, but from a, a Gaelic Games perspective, obviously very strange not to have the All-Ireland Final to look forward to.
0: Yeah, um, it is, Ciarán. Uh, now, look, hopefully we will have something. I suppose there's more important things going on in life in Ireland and in other parts of the world than Gaelic Games, even though we, you know, I I was at a match last night and one tomorrow and maybe... Sorry, one tonight and maybe uh, three tomorrow with club games. So it's a very big part of um, any GA person's life. Uh, our our Gaelic games, but um, yeah. So well, traditionally, of course, it it wouldn't really be this weekend. Traditionally, yeah. it was always the first or second Sunday in September, even. Um, but it's it's brought back now, and uh, it would have been great uh, if you were part, I'm part of Kenny management. If you if we're in it this weekend. Um, uh, it's even better the fact that it's it's maybe not on. We might have a chance of being in a jet, um, but uh, you know it's 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 strange times, uh, and it's you know we're looking forward obviously to get getting something started if this COVID stays away, um, please God it will, uh, and I just think if it if we do get something this year, it's a bonus. Yeah, very much so, DJ. I, wa- I wanted to start uh, this conversation by asking
2: you. It, I suppose from, from, from my perspective, and I'd be like a lot of our listeners, we haven't experienced what it's like to be a player on All-Ireland Final Day. What is the build-up to the All-Ireland Final like? Say from now, the Friday in advance of the game on the Sunday, the Saturday, the waiting around, the travelling to uh, Croke Park, and the morning of the game
0: itself, what is that experience like? Well, I'd say um, Joel probably concur a little bit with this, uh, Kieran. The, uh, I I played in my first senior All Ireland final in nineteen ninety one. I played in my final All Ireland final, even though I played in the semi final of two thousand five. But my final, uh, the, the the final, let's say final, was two thousand four. Like we we drove to Crow Park in nineteen ninety one. We drove in under a stand in cars in nineteen ninety one. You got your bag out of the car. You went into a dressing room uh you know uh, there was a build up huge build up all week because you were you were around everyone you worked for the week you were around everyone people were wishing you well um towards the last one then in in 2004 where you were almost cocooned for the week no one was allowed into training um you know uh in in 2 in 1991 we heard the team on the radio on, a, I think it was a Friday morning that was playing on Sunday, you know, so like the, the difference in a few years and then Joe obviously uh, captained in 1980, even played previous to that. Like, you know, we were so kind of, what would you say, nearly backward then uh, towards the way it is now. I mean, even training sessions. John Power would be a half an hour late at least for every training <laughs> session and he could be arriving on a tractor you know some lads some lads didn't want to run around the 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 you know the, the pitch on it for a few laps because you know they didn't like running around the pitch but they done it on the field on the day you know so like you different types of characters you're different you know there was always some sort of a laugh around the place because Some lad had some sort of an issue or some sort of a thing, but it was almost always the same. Like John had never be early for a game or training session, never, you know, Um, and there was always something wrong with a bullock or a cow or cow (laughs) or a tractor had gone wrong during the day or whatever it was. And you nearly had to listen to that before you went out or even when Ollie asked the question, John, where were you? Uh, you know a uh, caffin or whatever it was you know so nowadays it's it's much more sophisticated there wouldn't be anything like that done at all um, asking the question of uh, you know the build up on a day it's probably the longest day of your life um, the build up on All-Ireland final day itself from the time you get up until the time you go out in the field and then it's probably the shortest 70 minutes you'll ever play in uh, particularly if you're behind in a game you know so it's amaz- it's an amazing day that you can't wait for it to come. you're waiting every few minutes to watch you're looking at the watch uh you're waiting waiting eventually you get into a dressing room eventually you get out on the field and then it just goes like uh you know it just goes as if the game was over in ten minutes.
2: And, and Joe would you, would you concur with, with DJ's kind of the, the way he t- talked about it there what was the experience like of, of preparing for and the build up to the All-Ireland final throw-in on the Sunday
1: James, the, the way DJ spoke there my heart started racing again <laughs> <laughs> I'd nearly forgotten and, and we played I played in three of them in 79 and 80 and 81 and I was maybe a, maybe a half a generation before DJ again and and um, the lead up, you know, and uh others, and uh, when I was involved with Galway in nine and ten and eleven, the, the, the lads I would be telling them stories about of our time, and they couldn't believe like how, after training, we'd we'd go up to the mart in Athenry and and uh, steak and onions and chips and gravy and <laughs> soap milk and sweets and sodas, like and Jesus, would be <laughs> delighted to get it, like you know, and and. Uh, and, and no hurry away and banter as Beta said and laughing and and and, and uh, absolutely amazing. We always travelled that time in Galway the day before, you know. So you'd be very aware, that we we lived near Galway City and uh, Wood Woodkey in Galway was where the bus headed from, and uh, there'd eventually be dozens, if not hundreds, kind of there to see us off, you know. So you'd know right away uh, that this is something. Uh, we usually stayed in the Ashling Hotel it was the Clarden's the year we won it but usually the Ashling. and there was such a, a, a rapport that time between players and teams and supporters like and and the, the Ashling Hotel the night before the All-Ireland would be hopping you know there'd yeah. be there'd been sing songs downstairs and throngs and we'd make our way up well away from it like but the idea of being secluded or away from or having time and uh but the morning off, but then, we'd always kind of go out to uh, the Phoenix Park, actually, for a pop round. I used to love that. Uh, the, the year we won it in 80, I was the free taker, and we went out to Nifina for, I took a few dozen frees just for the eye in and, and as Deja said, then you're on a bus, and I actually used to enjoy that. You know, I, if I was injury-free and I had a good few weeks of good training under my belt, I was kind of sort of say, this is what we've always wanted to be and to do would be, playing for your county in an All-Ireland final. Like, and, and, uh, but of course then, as, as it got closer, what I always thought in a dressing room is, you know, when the tugging starts and you get ready and you put on the jersey, you look around, you you need encouragement and that's where you, you'd look at, you know, maybe Iggy or, or, or Clark or Niall McInerney, positives, you know and John, maybe my brother and a few like that and you'd sort to say, no, we're not going to lose today with those in the team and that's the kind of where leaders come in, you know you're always looking for something, no matter how well you're prepared from your teammates on the day, because it's obviously a battle of of, of 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 a team, and then you, 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 you run out and the roar and the, the roar is all, I always thought was echoes from the stand, it wasn't even the noise, the echoes would go back and over, if you were team scored a goal or the other team scored a goal like and, and then if I'm number 11 you go in and you and your you know your your the battle starts and and. Uh, I always thought kind of an all-Ireland final day, because I, I wouldn't be in the DJ mould of, if you stop Joe Connolly, you stop Galway. That was never the case in my point, but if you stop DJ Kerry, often you could stop Kilkenny. But you'd, you'd go in number 11 and mark a number six, and, and you'd kind of sort of say, Jesus, I mightn't get an all-star today, but I'm, I'm going to try to make sure you don't get an all-star either. you know. So, <laughs> and, then, and then the battle starts, and as DJ says, it goes like it flies. It absolutely flies. You can't believe it's half-time, and then you can't believe it's full-time you know but great days
2: obviously great days um dj you mentioned there um you you talked about john power i was looking at the the team that you were part of in 2000 that won the all ireland and the like like an awful lot of teams would be absolutely delighted to have one of the all-time greats on a team but like that kilkenny forward line had yourself and Henry Shefflin playing at the same time. Eddie Brennan was a sub on the day. Eddie couldn't get a start. That's how that's how strong that forward six was. Did, did you do you know when you're part of a team like that how good you are, or is it just something that you reflect on afterwards?
0: Well, I think all teams know how good they are. Um, to be honest with you, Kieran, but. Like everything is a everything is a different day and it's a different occasion and no matter how good you are today, it, it it doesn't really bear an awful lot for tomorrow, you know. And Joe Joe said it there, you know, in 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 so many words. But obviously Joe was was a gifted man himself. But like you know, at at the end of the day, I always had a, a believe myself. If if I didn't play well, you know, I wanted to make sure the guy on me didn't play well. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you were on basically. Unless you were giving a guy a roast and or you were getting a roast and you weren't really moved from the position you were in. You that's where you played, and that's you know, maybe if you got a little bit tired. But there was no real set tactics, um, per se, of lads running all over the field or lads going here, there, and everywhere. If you didn't really play well, uh you know, um, but for me, I was wanting to make sure if I wasn't playing well, the guy on me wasn't playing well. Um and, and you know, some days you'd have a great day, more days you wouldn't have such a good day. But ultimately, what you were trying to do in a team sport is you're trying to make sure that if you're have, not having a good day, your man is not having a good day. But someone around you is, you know, one of, one of your own players. And I suppose Henry was young then. Henry was only 20. Eddie Brennan was probably, you know, just about to start on the team. Um so so like I I was probably on the very end of the great Kilkenny team that came. Uh, when yeah. when they did come I was almost gone in, as I say after 2005. And then when I retired in 2000, and, let's say six, I didn't play in 2006, they won four All irelands in a row, you know, So I was, you know, I, I was probably on the last of the real battling kind of teams that no one knew who was going to win an All Ireland every year because at sure. that time, like Offley were very good. Wexford were very good in Leinster. We were obviously, you know, traditionally very... Galway were always brilliant. And at that time, <clears throat> you never ne- re- really knew about Galway because they'd, they'd, they were able to go away and work behind closed doors and then come back for a semi-final. Now, that could work against you or work for you in the sense of, you know, but if you were working on some sort of a tactic, like a few times against I know Kirkkenny in, I think it was 1986, uh, the first time that I ever remember a third midfielder came out, and Galway were brilliant that day um, you know so like uh, Cork were always good Tip were always good but you were on a knockout so one match and you were gone you know um, so it was it was always different but if you go back to my original or your original question like you you look at you always look at the fella beside you and you look around and you say I can trust that guy that guy can trust me no matter how good or bad you're playing at the end of the day you're going to be doing your utmost. You know he's going to be doing your utmost. And then, obviously, you're hoping. You know, you're hoping things are going to work out on the day. Like, you know, you go into it confident and you always hear that the fact that, oh, gee, we're, we weren't going to come off the field without being beaten today. I don't ever believe any team has ever gone on the field without ever thinking that. Unfortunately, if you're beaten, you can't say it. If yeah. you win, you can't, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. DJ, wasn't that the day you scored the point off the free, off the, off the hurdle, wasn't it? No,
0: that was two thousand and two. Um, that was two thousand and two against Clare. In in, in Offaly, we were kind of going. Oh, in yeah, two thousand, right. we were going against uh, Offaly. We were being beaten in the previous two all that's Ireland right, finals. Yeah, 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 yeah. But,
1: but I, I just t- talk about that one of one of the great scores. Uh, I was at, at that Ireland final two thousand and two, uh, and DJ, if we didn't hear, just dummy the strike and then threw right. it back was hurling then on the run, uh, without taking his back into the hand, he struck mm-hmm. it over the bar, and just in front to me was Pat Henderson the, the you know the great Kilkenny centre-back a legend in Kilkenny Hurling and a modest man as most Kilkenny people are I must say but he just stood up after that score and he just got so excited by it and he turned around just to say did you see that you know what I mean I thought it was just one of the great beautiful pieces of Hurling I've ever seen and then to see Pat Henderson he couldn't restrain himself from being Completely excited by it, you know. I think yeah. you're right.
2: It's it's one of those moments, Joe, that I think transcends hurling as well. Because when uh, we were talking during up. the week that we were going to have DJ and yourself on, Column, you as a footballer, in Leash, it was the first thing that came into your head. Was that point? I think it was uh, uh, DJ. It was Ollie Baker you left trailing in your wake. Was it yeah. at that time? Um, but um, yeah. It was the first thing that that came to mind
1: for Column.
3: Well, like, I remember it was like it was the same to you, Karen beforehand. You know, when when you're not a, when you're not a hurler, like the hurling skills straight away are amplified as being even more spectacular and I remember um it was I, I saw it live I remember watching it on TV and I just went like my god how do you do that and so close and such an angle and we obviously rate outside the boot scores like Marks Visterl's score from the sideline outside the boot is what I compare it to you know it's one of those scores where no matter how good of a hurler you are um like you said there, Joe, you still are stood up in awe of it. You know, I was a yeah, uh, yeah. moment. One of,
1: one of the great moments. Like, yeah,
3: yeah,
0: yeah. But, I, think, uh, yeah I, I, think that, uh, you know, during this lockdown, um, one of the my favorite <laughs> things to do was, I was almost out every second day or every day with my father in, in Gorn and. Um, YouTube was just played constantly every day, and one match went from the other from I'd say 1967 to 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 the present day. But I mean, some of the, the hurling was at, now completely different at times from the yeah. 60s and 70s of la- pulling on the ball, like which there's no skill in that anymore. Because even if you pull on a ball now, you could get booked because if the follow through hits a lad, you could get booked for it. But you know, some of, it's like some of the hurling back in the day was absolutely brilliant but I think Joe we could both kind of say that even with that point and it, it looked good on the day how many times I don't know did I ever even practice that in my life do you know what I mean it was yeah, something that came right on right. the day kind of naturally on the day it happened and yeah. it looked spectacular and, and we often done stuff that looks spectacular that you'd never do but in a split yeah. second in a split second you make a decision to do something and, and half the time it doesn't work out but the odd time it does uh, it, it's, it's absolutely brilliant
1: yeah, but DJ, if I can stay with you, like, because I I don't often get a chance to, to say things, but but in that final in two thousand, remember the, the the start of the second half to throw in, and and you you immediately got into your hand and you and you raced kind of a uh, yards and 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 the goalie was wasn't a great save and then, uh uh Gary uh, Carter flicked it in, but the night before that, it how did DJ Carey get his hand in ball into his hand so quickly, but. You know, DJ told afterwards that uh, the, the night before he went on his knee and, and he just did that quick rise of the ball into his hand about two or 300 times. So, DJ, if you said that you made up, your, you did at no pre-thinking to that point you scored. It was the hundreds of hours that went into, you know, practicing it in other ways, you know, and yeah. like, like yeah. that quick flick into your hand uh, that caused that, you oh, to, to get into your hand, like you shot that till, like So... You know, it's, it's the game of the, if there's any game that needs the 10000 hours, as they say, and lots of things of practice is that. And then, you know, some people, you know, and we have a few great ones these days, like, you know, you could put the, the, the hurling God's smiled kindly on them. Like, and you're definitely, you, you won't say DJ, but you were in that world and just to see... You know, my wife, Cathy, a Limerick woman, but mostly a Limerick r- rugby woman. She just loved DJ Carey Hardly, and I said, oh. would you stop, please?" Stop <laughs> <laughs> but she yet sort of yet <laughs> have to uh, from the other end of the field or whatever. you just have to admire what you brought, what you brought with uh with
0: this. Uh, with this door. Yeah, I'm 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 i having to open the door here in the car now, lads. I'm embarrassed over that sort of.
3: <laughs> Can I ask you on, on that something interesting enough? Like you, obviously, are a big advocate of, of handball as well, and and you would have had a long career in that and, and very heavily involved. You definitely, obviously, would be would put some of your skills that you brought onto the hurling field towards that, and and maybe your quickness of hands. Like, is that something you would recognise and would talk about a lot as regards your handball being brought back into the hurling?
0: yeah I, 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 I used handball um, a, a fair bit even even not necessarily hand as in handballing the ball at times there's always great great uh, you know high hand coordination. Yeah you know, alone, like even catching the ball, even a ball coming fast at you low, you can you can you can grab it. So like other sports are are, are brilliant. Uh, but handball for me was 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 is one of the best because like I often say to people, like there's very few two sided games. Even in our, our own game of hurling is not really a two sided game because it's 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 a forehand and it's a backhand. You know, uh, your still you're still strong hand is the one that's on top of the hurl if that makes sense. Whereas if you take a sport like tennis is a, is a forehand and a backhand, but it's still the one strength in the one shoulder or, or hand, you know, yeah. whereas in, in, in handball, you actually have to physically use your left side as well as your right side. You have to use it low. You have to use it medium. You have to use it high. So it's a brilliant, brilliant um, uh, game, especially if, if you want to be, if it's another sport you're, you're coordinating it with, you know, but the one thing I'd say, Colin, like, I, I actually am a great believer that no no one player fits all, you know. So you, you'll often get in a club or a county situation, the, the big strong lad who's not particularly fast. You know, I may never be particularly fast. He can improve his speed a little bit, wouldn't it? But there, there's a great role for that guy. There's always the guy in the club who may not be the bravest fella in the world. Well, don't play him in a position where he has to go in and, uh, you know, muck around and get clattered. You know, there's often the quick, smaller fella. Just often, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we, we sometimes... It's sometimes... In sport, it's it's a one-fits-all. You have to be fast. You have to be good in the air. You have to be good on the ground. You have to be a great striker. But there's plenty of lads can win a ball. They mightn't be able to strike it, but they can win a ball and they can you can coach them in such a way they can pass it around. They can do well. You can get lads running off a shoulder. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think, as I say, I think there's way too much emphasis now on the fact that, you know, I I would say improve skills, but, but really improve the skill that the player has got and get the best out of them For what he hasn't got but really keep improving and get that skill that he has got improve that improve that because you often go along you must improve your left side of your right but if your right side is not brilliant well how do you improve your left get get your right hand side or get your right foot or get whatever it is right get that absolutely really strong and then you can work on everything else yes if that makes sense
3: no, it does. It does. And I think, I think I suppose, you even recognise with the teams you're involved in, since 1980, 81 for you, Joe, and, and the, the finals you were involved. I'd say that was the reason why your teams did so well, too, because you utilised the strengths of your players in the best possible way. Um, yeah. You talked about having, like, you know, you knew you were a great team and great players, but having great players alone, I'm sure, doesn't isn't enough. And I imagine it's the connection you build with your teammates, that trust you spoke about before, DJ. And then utilising players in the best position that they're that they're, they're able to do. Their strengths are being emphasised, so to speak. And, and Joe, I'd say you were seeing that in your teams too.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. And uh, I, I think there was maybe a different factor in our journey, Colin, because of the starvation of decades. You know, that we yeah. had gone so close and we grew up with sort of the hard look and the brutal bad look, you know what I mean? Especially in great teams the parties and, and 50s and all that like so i think it was there was a, a county kind of bang for us to win all ireland you know uh, after 57 years and, and whatever like that and i think a great group came together like it was a good blend of older and younger uh, you know four or five of the team had won all ireland on 21 two years before 1978 so th- th- the stars align sometimes you know in in a team and, and the the strings that you need and, you know, physique, I think maybe four or five, four of our forwards were six footers, which was big that time. Uh, I, I was at a reception with the Galway for or the Gal forward I after winning in 2017, and Sacred Heart, they'd frighten you, you know what I mean, to them, like, you know, they were so big now, but that time, six foot was a big man. Yeah. So we had the, we had the hurling and I think we had the physique and the confidence and there was a great desire and, and, and an insatiable hunger you know lads come on please, this is this this is a chance you know what i mean we were i i think we were demented to win all ireland and and uh, you know thank god it it, it it came but it was a moment in time you know what i mean a few years earlier or later it might have been too late like but it just came right that day
2: and, and Joe, we'll, we'll concentrate on 1980, th- that year, 40 years ago this year. um, Myself and Colin were talking as well during the week. And it was actually it was three months before I was born, Joe. I okay. um, okay. But I can tell you the amount of times I have seen over the years, be it on All Ireland Gold, on TG Cahar or YouTube clips or whatever you always see the game and then you see the, the famous Joe Connolly speech. And we'll talk about the speech in a little while. But first of all, that year in 1980, um, di- as you said, you, you had been in the All-Ireland in 79 um, and then came back in 1980. Um, and a lot is made about um, different formats for competitions and structures and everything these days. I was surprised, Joe, I was looking back at it. If I'm right, you guys beat Kildare in the quarter final. That's oh, right. O- Awfully in the semi final before beating a Limerick team in the final, who hadn't even had to play a semi final because they went straight from the Munster final into the All Ireland final. If I have That's it right. Much, but but uh, the year started off well for you, Joe, against Kildare. You scored three five on the day, so that that gets you on a roll anyway.
1: Yeah, but but it was a year that things were happening. Uh, we won the Railway Cup, which was a fairly prestigious competition that time. Uh, in St Patrick's Day for the first time in 33 years. Uh, UCG had won the Fitzgibbon uh, in 1980 with, a, with a, a, a very strong goal representation. Castle uh, Gare, my own club, we won the All Ireland club that year, the, our, the first ever Galway club to win All Ireland. And uh, we, we beat Ballycastle in the final of Antrim and an extraordinarily strong Black Rock team in the semi final. Uh, so th- there was a lot of momentum. Going into the summer, you know, there was a belief actually, maybe that, you know, I think especially Castlegar's winning the All Ireland, like uh, w- having overcome, you know, the champions of Munster certainly got got heads nodding in Galway. That, that, that. So, you know, Kildare, you know, I suppose would have been expected to beat them. um uh, Lee were were in the early stages of what they became a great hurling team that were extraordinarily difficult to beat. And we got over that by a few points. Uh Limerick, uh, not only in all semi-final, but I think there was six or seven weeks between the Munster final win and the All Ireland final day, which is an extraordinarily huge break. What do you do? You know, do you train like a savage and, you know, and, and maybe get a bit burdened out or do you take it off? And it's very hard to get that balance right. Uh, and um, and then you know, uh, on, on the on the day, it sort of we were probably well prepared for it, and, and well in uh, every other way. And then we got a great start. We had two two up up fairly early, and that kind of thing. Like so, it was just um, a game that, as DJ said, every game takes on its own momentum and its own type. Like, but uh, um, ah, it worked out. Thank God, it worked out. And when
2: when the final whistle goes, Joe. When the final whistle goes in the All Ireland final and you have come out the right side, yeah. What what what's that? Look, well, I suppose it it might be di- too difficult to describe. But what's the feeling like? Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's beyond
1: belief. Uh, it's, it is absolutely you you cannot verbalise it or the culmination of a live stream. You know, and especially for us in Galway. With the decades and decades of of being beaten, you know, for all of a sudden, just just for those few seconds after winning an All Ireland, uh, that you have that you have done it, you know, it's just the disbelief of it. And then, you know, at that time, you couldn't get five seconds before the team were engulfed. You know, there the, there was hundreds that had already climbed the fence in Croke Park and. We had great stories afterwards of suits being left behind and coats being left behind and sporting <laughs> pants and torn jackets and all that. So you, you just get the few seconds, like, but it's a seriously shared emotion, like, for us, like, number one with your teammates and number two with your county, you know. And and just yesterday, Les, if, if you believe this, in Inish Man, I was out for a stroll with a friend of mine and we came on to... Um, uh, a fellow working on the top of a telegraph pole, and we start to speak in Irish, like I just started, and then he came back to Gaebis, uh, Joseph or Queen. as uh, as it turned out, he's from from Ni, my father's home village, actually. And uh, 1980, of uh, that year, Elizabeth, it wasn't the sexiest time to be an Irish speaker. You know, it, it really wasn't the prestige that it is today, like the prestige that it is today to be an Irish speaker. And Joe was a, the man, this was in a conversation that evolved only yesterday, from the top of the pole to myself down the way, and uh, you, you wouldn't be boasting about your Irish or saying it out loud, but on the Tuesday when he came back to work in Galway City and in the post office, when he walked into his workmates, they, they gave him an ovation, you know, for being for being a grail gore and an Irish speaker. And I found that extraordinary story only yesterday about about the Irish speaking and the All-Ireland and, and the way it won and that was the story I only heard yesterday which is one of the best I've ever heard actually you know so it just did you know really get into the into the sinews of all these people you know that, that at long last we had won it, you know I think that's the, the impact Joe, Joe
2: yes certainly of the, the win and, and bridging that 57 year gap and then um, that famous speech and we're going to listen to a, some highlights of that speech now
1: I went to But I'm not the money. I'm not going to be able to get i to be the money. I'm not in to be i We love you! <laughs>
2: People of Galway, really we love you! So, Joe, um, look, you're, you're a Gael goer. You were obviously the, the opportunity to give the All-Ireland final speech. As Gael yeah, was always one you were going to take our, um hollow O'Hare, when I was looking back on it, spoke about it as being the, the greatest... All Ireland speech he had heard from anyone who had collected, who had the trophy in their hand on the steps of the, of the Hogan Stand. What do you think, aside from the emotion of the fact that it was fifty seven years bridging that gap, aside from the fact that it was Asquillga, why, Joe, do you think your speech has become so iconic?
1: Well, I do believe uh, completely that it was it was the factor, you know, because. Um, I think what we did with myself saying it in Irish and John McDonough singing "The West Awake" is that we, we nailed it as as a West of Ireland occasion, and and part of that absolutely is Gaelic. I my, half my telephone message from is is in Irish uh, on my phone, and I, I you, you never believe how many leave the message back in Irish to me every day in Galway City or in Verdans, I speak Irish as part to people absolutely every day as part of, of what I do. So Irish and Gaeilge and, and Connemara and Galway and Erden Islands, th- th- it's part of what we are. So I, I think the fact that I said it in native Irish, because even though we were born and reared in Bally Britain near Galway City, it was an Irish-speaking home. My father and mother were from Little In Irish was what we always spoke. And, I, and I, I think that that people identified very much that that, yeah, Galway. West, we speak Irish and the fact that the captain gave the speech in Irish then I think made it. It certainly wasn't the content. I, I might have referred to the immigrants, might have been different to the usual, but I, I don't think the content of what I said was anything exciting. And it was a short enough speech actually, but I think Joe McDonough then grabbing the mic maybe for the first time ever in in the history of an All-Ireland speech and singing the West awake. Joe was part of the UCG contingent that played for Galway and obviously if you're in college there's great days and wild days and wild nights and Joe was the most brilliant singer and and that song of the Awake, he made up his own versions of that numerous times uh, during the few years before that in college days and Galway good nights days we used to have brilliant nights as the Galway team brilliant sing songs like and about 10 or 12 us could belt out something and So, that was just another part of of what we did that time, Joe. But I think that was the most iconic moment of of Joe singing the Whist awake, you know.
2: I've looked back at it, Joe, many times this week, um, and I would advise anyone to go back and and watch the the full clip. You'll find it on on YouTube. But there was, I suppose, there was a number of elements to it. There was the fact it was Australia. There was the fact, at that stage... There was only two games televised in the hurling championship that year. It was your All Ireland semi-final win against Offaly and the All Ireland final, the win against Limerick. They were the only two games televised. Whoa. I would, I can only imagine. That there was a lot, an awful lot of people watching the All Ireland Hurling Final in their own homes for the first time, because yeah. a lot of people would have got televisions the year before to see the Pope when he had arrived in Ireland. Because so, I know, I know my own parents got a television to see the yeah. Pope when he arrived in Ireland in nineteen seventy nine. So I'm sure that would have been similar for a lot of people. But then there was the moments like when you called on um, Iggy Clark as well, and and yeah. sorry, you mentioned him, and and the crowd called for Iggy Clark to come yeah. and and, um, and Liffey McCarthy.
1: Yeah, Iggy was probably our best hurler. I I I I I thought that in full flight, Iggy was one of the greatest hurlers I've seen. He used to break your heart in training. If you were on him in training, you'd be awful worried about your place on the team the following day. He was just he won a heat of the superstars competition. Like he was a clean liver as a priest, obviously he had a great clean living life at the time and a phenomenal athlete, and he was probably our best hurler, and we lost him by, by being injured in the semi-final, but he was iconic in Galway, and when I just referenced him, uh, and the other I referenced, Jack Lucas, actually, he was would have a great regard, had major surgery lately, and we certainly send him our best regards. He would, Jack would be an extraordinary um, popular part of, of, of our setup. But but Iggy had something about him, and if you just saw the profile of him, uh, a, a few months ago and tell you like he, he has had an extraordinary life and, and a very rich life and uh, you know any of us of our time and even anybody in Gaul would sort of say that's, that's one of the top five hurlers in the country so it, I'm delighted uh, that that the crowd reacted as they did and the other thing it gave me it gave me a few seconds to think of something else to say like while <laughs> 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 <That's laughs> the crowd awesome. were paying for did, did
2: did you know like that's a that's a very good point did you know what you were going to say Joe and particularly that what you did say and you mentioned a while well ago what you talked about the people Harlar, the people overseas yeah. in, in England and the people in America and making that connection and referencing them. I think that also had a huge impact. It is. I
1: didn't genuinely get it ready because I think it would be a tempting fate if you were captain of a team that hadn't won for 57 years to, to overthink it. But I just thought in my mind during the week, I might mention a few things and I knew I'd say it in Irish for a start. And I knew I'd mention the immigrants. Like, But I honestly kind of winged it, winged it after that. But the immigrants, you know, I, I find it, uh, you know, for my part of the world in Galway and Connemara, like it, it was, without exaggeration it was decimation of population you know it was just the nat- the natural thing to do uh, you know my I, first cousins in in Cierney, my uncle michael's family like and the five daughters stayed at home and the five sons immigrated you know it, it just happened so i i've always had a great affinity with with those that that had to leave Ireland, any part of Ireland, obviously, but but the, in our own particular case, Galway and Connemara, it really was, and Mayo, I think I would put with it, were, were were cleaned out in so many places. So it was somebody, and then you'd know them from coming home, hundreds who used to come home for semifinals and finals kind of thing, like, and inevitably go back home again to their home, to the country they'd moved to, like, and another defeat, you know, so. I I really felt so strongly about them and, and the world they had to leave behind and their love of Galway and their love of Hurland and, and, and everything like that. So I'm awfully glad that that worked out for them as well. And the final thing I'll talk about in the speech was
2: obviously how you signed it off before, as you say, Joe McDonough um, took on the mantle and, and sang the, the, the West's Awake or Galway's Awake, as, as he sang it, was... Um, your your uh your uh paraphrasing of Pope John Paul II, if I put it that way, with yeah. people of Galway, we love you. Did you know you were going to say that? Well I didn't
1: actually. I didn't, but I Bally-A-Bit is my home village. That's that's where I was born and reared. And obviously it was a savage event the year before and I was stewarding at it inside the altar area. He passed within a yard of me. And obviously uh, the, the most iconic of, of sayings on that day was young people of Ireland, I love you or like I whatever in his accent, so just for Pigarden, I kind of threw that in a theme. <laughs> just and had a go at his accent, not not the best copy I say, but at least it sort of resonated as well, you know, and it was just it was just a uh, 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 six English words in the middle of everything like, but I think it was just that after it went with the occasion and the joy of it and all that kind of thing you know it I really
2: would... did it yeah. really did
1: DJ we'll fast
2: forward 20 years to 2000 and we have um, some highlights of you scoring the opening goal in Kilkenny's win against Offaly in the year 2000s All-Ireland final. Joe Oakley
1: had such a good semi-final up towards Joe Dooney. it beats him over not so Philly Larkin back in towards Henry Shefflin. three against two in there
2: DJ, you came into that final in 2000. You'd lost the previous year to Cork um, and the year prior to that um, too awfully. So there was a bit of pressure on that um, obviously you wouldn't want to be in a Kilkenny team losing in three All-Ireland finals in a row Bit of pressure on, but you guys got off to a great start, and your goal, I suppose, set the tone for the day.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I suppose it was a slight little bit fortuitous as it worked out. I think one of the high ball came in, and it was mishandled by uh, one of the, the off league cornerbacks. I can't remember exactly now, but um, and and I, I happened to be on full full momentum, charge and through, so the ball actually landed in my hand, and I was I kind of had a clear. Um, a clear path at goal, but it, it, I think that was a huge settler for us because if everyone remembers, 1998 was a very unusual year. Um, the hurling wasn't necessarily great for out of anyone all that year, awfully one in all Ireland. Uh, all right, but. We won a Leinster final, which was one, I think, the second year of the backdoor system. Babs uh, was gone in awfully because he had run in with a few of the Offaly lads. Michael Bond, who I'm not sure too many of us ever heard of, came in and turned offly around. It was the day of the, or the year of the three um, semi finals against uh, Clare. Um, you know, so just an unusual 99. Then we were four points up with nine minutes to go, and Cork and scored five points uh, to win it. So 2000 was, a, was huge. We were under massive pressure that year. Now, when, when I say we're under massive, there was a massive um, media pressure more so than our own because, you know, it, it, 2000 was just another year. It was another year on from 99 to the year further on from 98. It wasn't necessarily that we as players or players put into it. It was a new year. You get on with it. But obviously, there was a massive thing then in the public, which would have got to our own supporters. Um, that if we'd lost this, we, we would have been beaten three years in a row. Now, you go out determined like always, and uh, but we got a great settler that day because we had three goals in the first 15 or 20 minutes, got which which was brilliant on the day. And like, I, I think, and I mean this with all the best respect to Offley, like. Everyone was expecting Offley to be nearly gone, nearly gone, nearly gone, but they were always there, they were always there, they were always there, thereabouts. Their skill level was absolutely massive, Um, and there was was never an end to them. Even though you think next year, sure, Offley, they can't be that good, they were always good. And particularly at that time, you never knew uh, from any given day they could come out and beat you by 20 pints on, on a given day. So going into that game, was massive we got a great start uh, and i think it it settled us down a lot and 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 look it was a game even in that game and you talk about the fact that
2: uh, awfully people expected them to drop off even in that game they were still even though you got that great start they were always still uh, um like nipping at your heels but i suppose the goals you got on the day and i suppose it became a feature of kilkenny teams under brian cody the, the the early goals played
0: such a part in in a number of All Ireland finals. Well, we got I think we got five goals that day, uh, Kieran, and and like uh, up to ten minutes to go, Offaly we were still in that game, you know. So like we got three goals in the first half. Uh, we went in seven or eight points, I think, up at half time. Like and 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 I don't know what's in Offaly blood, but there never seemed to be any sort of a panic. It never seemed to be any great issue they, they they went in they came out in the second half they had another rattle and I think it was our fifth goal that really sealed it uh, on that occasion so like they were they were an extraordinary team really in in, in the sense of the, the skill level they had but extraordinary in the sense of like they such a small pick you know if you went to the clubs they hadn't that many clubs uh, but they were just able to come together and just produce and, and I suppose Kilkenny I don't know whether Kilkenny were their greatest enemy or they looked up to Kilkenny so much they just, they just loved beating Kilkenny.
3: That's it what I we'll uh, asked, DJ, on that one. They the kind of have rivalry factor in some way. Um, you don't know how how much it was in their minds, but you can see teams who will lift for certain occasions or certain teams and that was probably the case with Offaly, I imagine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Colin, and um, we had a great rivalry with Borough as well at the time. I was in St Kieran's College, but there was a great rivalry uh, year after year. Lads were carried off stretchers, whether it was a, a, bar, a priest from Borough or a, a teacher in Cairns College or a player on the field. There always seemed to be ferocious rivalry um, all the way up along as well. And then you had minor teams. often won a couple of All-Irelands around that time yeah. uh, at minor level and under 21 level. And Kilkenny were there, thereabouts as well. So there was a great rivalry um, at, at that time. D-
2: DJ, the same question then for yourself uh, as I ha- had asked you a while ago around that feeling when the final whistle goes and you've won the All Ireland. Now you had been um, part of the All Ireland winning team in '92 against Cork, yeah. um, uh, '93 uh, against Galway, and then there, there was a, a, the gap until the year 2000. The, the uh, um, what was it like when the final whistle goes and you've uh, you you you've won Lee McCarthy?
0: Asher, uh, it's it's phenomenal. But if I could come back to that in a second, now, Tyrone, uh, I'd like uh, the one thing I'd like to say because I didn't get to say it when Joe was speaking. Sure, um, I was only ten when when Galway won that All Ireland. But I, I I can remember just after All Ireland because Kenny won in '79. I remember that. But the second the game was over, you were out poking a ball against the wall. That was it. Like the speeches were. You didn't even know there was a speech going on. But but in in that speech, I I'll always remember that. Um, for whatever reason in in our house, we sat down and watched it and I tell you well people say it was a, a, a phenomenal speech, which it was and the greatest of all time, but it actually even though i didn 't understand it because i wasn 't an Irish speaker, it actually would put hairs on the back of your head it was the way it actually was 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 given and and portrayed because even in my own uh, speech and captain and later on in you know you were tired, you were wrecked you you didn 't prepare Kilkenny were were reasonably successful over the years. But that that iconic speech of, of Joe was one that came from years and years and years of, you know, n- n- not actually winning. It was such uh, it was such a brilliant speech without even understanding it. You could know exactly what was what was coming out. And, um, you know, and I, I think it was one of the great actually inspiration, uh, inspirational uh, talks of all time. And it, it will it will be around forever.
1: I just saying, Joe here. Thank you, DJ. Uh, I said lovely things about you earlier on, and I, I was hoping you would say something back to me. Well. <laughs> I, you guys, you guys are it's
0: not as I scratch your back, I scratch mine for, for certain. But and, and the other thing I'd say, and I, I'll answer your question in a minute. I, I over whatever I'm I'm fifty this year coming, but uh, in in my lifetime of hurling, I've served on one committee uh, of all in hurling, just one. Uh, And that was a committee under Joe McDonough, which is a players committee. So I've only had one role in GA outside of managing my teams or whatever. But I've only had one, let's say, half say uh, within the GA. And that was actually under uh, the the Lord of and the great Joe McDonough, who we became uh, very good friends. So I have that kind of uh, attachment there. And, you know, I, I think John Conley, John Conley was a kind of a, an icon in my house with my my father, my aunt Peggy won all Ireland medals with Cusackeny, but John Connolly was was always a favourite uh, in 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 our house, even though he wasn't a Cusackeny man, he was a Galway man. Uh,
2: and, and DJ just bring it back to yourself, so that that feeling when the, the final whistle goes and, and, and you're all Ireland champions?
0: Uh, sure, a bit a bit like Joe, I suppose. We had um, five or six seconds, Um and I, I remember grabbing our Liam Fendley was captain and we were close to each other, John Power. So we actually got in a, a, a huddle almost immediately. Um, I think John was going, John Power was going for the last ball and the referee blew it and he picked it up. He was heading my direction and Liam, so it was, a, it was a great feeling because Kilkenny hadn't won for a good few years. Ollie Welsh was the, the manager of the team and uh, Ollie sure had great passion himself as a, as a Kilkenny man. And, uh, you know, we hadn't, we hadn't won for a while. But then, as, as Joe said, like uh, the last thing I remember then was being, being lifted and carried down almost to Hill 16 in a wave. Uh, and then, then they had to turn around because they couldn't go any further. You were on someone's shoulder. And the back was being bet off you. And I I tell you, it was easier hurl the match and get (laughs) catchers of the match than it was being pulled and dragged and slapped and hit. And someone grabbed the hurl. I actually got the hurl back after, but I thought the hurl was was stolen on me on the day and everything. But I suppose it's just a real emotion. It's something that I think is really, really missed in the day. uh, And albeit for insurance purposes. But... That was that was hugely exciting and hugely emotional, and you could see people from the local area trying to get near. You You could see your own family trying to get near, you and couldn't really get near you because there was too many people. You know, there was too many people around, and you might see another Kilkenny player maybe fifty yards away on top of someone else's shoulder. And you know, I think it was it was a great excitement um, after the match. And I I I don't know how long. Someone must have grabbed always grabbed the captain to get there fairly quickly. Uh, up to the stand because you were still being carried from uh, pillar to Jack um, without even, and, and eventually you might get up the, the steps of the Hogan stand. And bringing it forward to, to 2000 then, DJ, um, I suppose
2: a uh, uh, great to win in All-Ireland, but as you say, the, um, having lost the two previous All-Ireland finals, but that as, as well was the first time that Brian Cody managed a team to win in All-Ireland. And obviously yeah. we know what he's done. He, he, he's managed to add 10 more to that first one into the year 2000. He's managed to accumulate 11 overall, but a first one for un- under Brian Cody as well.
0: Yeah, Brian, uh, I think, uh, yeah, that, uh, we we've been beaten in 99, as I say, under and um, that was under Brian. But 2000, we we came back and, um, you know, we had a good year and a couple of the younger lads had matured a little bit more and, um, we played well in 1999 up to the final, we played well in 2000, but obviously huge pressure uh, in the 2000 All-Ireland Final. And uh, you learn a lot. Um, but but I, I think then we were hurling very well in, in 2001 again and uh, Galway came out and semi-final and beat us. So yeah, it was just at that time, there was no guarantee, there was no nothing, you know, every every different occasion, uh, every match was completely different. Well, look,
2: um, Joe and DJ, it's great to mark the All-Ireland Final wins for your respective teams in 1980 and 2000. And as I say, we would have been doing that at the GPA at the Legends lunch this weekend had the All-Ireland Final been going ahead. And we also remember the other teams who we've mentioned at the top of the show um, over the last number of decades. Tipperary team from 2010, the Cork team in 1990, part of a d- the double winning team, Cork back in 1970 as well. Uh, and Wexford back in 1960 and all those teams would have been remembered this weekend. So great to get your views on the 1980 and the 2000 um, finals of which you were huge contributory parts. Before we finish up with you, but you have been really good with your time and really appreciate it. Just a quick word from you both on hurling today. And uh, uh, you talked DJ earlier on about the preparation and the way things were back, say, in the early 90s and how that's moved on. And it's moved on again now in 2020, and you'll see that from your your, your involvement on, on the coaching side of things. Things change, the methods change, structures change. But do players change? Are, are, are players that are playing today, would they have survived in the eras of the 1980s and 1970s? Would the great players of the 70s and 80s, would they still have the same impact
0: in today's game? Well, well I, I suppose... Um... I suppose great players of any era, um, Kieran would would fit in uh, well. Um, you know, uh, in 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 the start of my time, almost towards the end of it, you know, it was a completely different game. You corner back was number two was number two, and fifteen went in and marked him, and that was it. You know, and uh, that was probably the same way year after year. Joe Joe probably came up against the same player uh, yeah. on uh, you know. Whoever let let it be Kenny, let it be Jer Henderson or Pat Henderson or whoever it was yeah. on on so many occasions and you got to know him. Whereas nowadays, nowadays players are assigned to do a marking job, and if you're full back and the full forward goes to midfield, you nearly go out after him. That's the way it is. And the wing back or the cornerback, he has to fit in to full back. So, you know, it's 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 a completely different game um in, in that sense. I think I think in our day, um and, and it, I, I I think guys are there's no difference in terms of strength there's a different strength now because it's it's strength and conditioning strength now and speed and power so when i say that there's there's no real difference in in how brave a guy is now but i i genuinely think the game has been made an awful lot softer in in the sense of players are not softer but the rules are gone very soft um You know, there's no such thing as a flick now on a ball, or it's considered a chop. I was at a game last night, and there was three great flicks in games, but you hear the noise off the hurl, and lads are roaring for, roaring for a chop referee, and you know, and you every time a player gets a ball in his hand now. The first thing any the opposition manager or players, even opposition players, is steps. Even if he hasn't taken a step, you know, yeah. um, like, and and I don't know how a player, how a manager, how anyone is able to count a step uh, if you're concentrating on the game, you know, and and like, but what what I would say is, you know, even the games mm-hmm. in our day, I think Joel uh, said a corner back got the ball or a wing back got the ball. He wasn't necessarily looking looking where he was hitting it. He, he he was hitting it up the field to get it out of the danger area. Now you're coming out with the ball, you have to look up, you have to hit it 20 yards to make sure you're not giving to someone in, in space. You know, the poor corner forward in a two-man full forward line nowadays, he's the first guy to come off because he's the first guy his class is playing badly, even though he could be marking four fellas, you know, or two fellas on four. You know, again, in our day it's just completely different. So I, I think that, look, there's different skills we concentrate now on giving the ball into a lad's hand. Again, going back to it, it was get rid of the ball, and the fella at the other end, he's supposed to win it, you know. And if he doesn't win it, he works hard not to let the opposition strike it, you know. So um, in our day, I suppose that ball was coming towards you as a wing, as a as a as a as a half forward. You were letting fly on the ball, trying to get it through to the guys inside, you know. So there's totally, it's totally different now. Is it brilliant now? Absolutely. Is the striking incredible? Yes, it is. But I can say, I can say, and I do a good bit work. I couldn't run from here to the, to the fence that's 50 yards away at any great level but I could strike the ball better today than I could in my own time because the hurls the bosses are bigger but there's the ball is made of rubber inside now not not cork, you know so the ball is going an off that further so it makes it for much more exciting times Joe hit freeze in his day if you got a wet ball in our day You didn't know what way it was going to go in the air. It could go left. It could go right. It could go anywhere. You know. Nowadays, that that ball now will absolutely go exactly where it's aimed. You know. So it's it's completely different times, and we're judging guys on completely different times. In our day, I think if you lost the ball, even when it was at home, you 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 didn't hurl again until you found that ball. you know now now there's three or four spare ones so if one goes into yeah. a bit of long grass you leave it there yeah. I was at a game I was at a game last year in Kilkenny J- James Stevens were playing uh, James Stevens, I think were playing Dames Ford, and I was at the back of the goal I'd say 24 hurling balls went over next and young lads got them and ran off with them yeah. without any official from either team no official from either team went looking for a ball you know
3: it sounds so, like a golf it, game there you?
0: isn't it, it but it, it's totally different you know so the errors are totally different again like again uh, going back to our time you know that ball in a in a match you, you'd be waiting 10 minutes for the opposition to hit one in from the other and we mightn't have it but if you were behind and you mightn't have a ball left yeah. in the game the opposition wouldn't be hitting one in they'd be trying to waste a bit of time you know but there's so many so it's different it's completely different times now I go, a, a puck out now is coming at you before the, 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 the whistle is nearly blown now, uh, a, a puck out is coming back at you. So you have no time. You have no time to think. No time on the ball, you know?
2: Well, well, DJ, just before I go to you, Joe, just, and I'll ask you the same question around the fact that, um, like, the, the, the different eras and comparing different eras. It's great, DJ. I can say now to anyone who ever played hurling with me down <laughs> over the years. It is always the corner forward who gets taken off first, and it's not always the corner forward's fault. That ah, here we go.
3: <laughs> You're exactly here right. Here we go. Here's the same old story: a forward giving out a play. <laughs> yes. Joe,
2: Joe, I'll finish off with yourself. Um, just to um, first of all, just th- th- on that, that 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 notion of of, and people love to compare eras, and and, and especially when it comes to the, around the time of the All Ireland final who was the greatest team to win in all ireland was it the kilkenny team under brian cody was it the cork team that won three in a row was it the galway team in the in the 80s and the late 80s when the when the, the the two in a row was done in 87 88 there's always um are the tipperary teams of the 60s of course as well there's always that, that 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 discussion and that argument about the great teams but i suppose are great players great players no matter what era they played in
1: of course they are, of course they are and uh, I, I have a phenomenal admiration for today's hurdlers. I think the speed of the game, I think that this kind of sharp pass the rocket of a 20 yarder of a, of a past kind of shoulder height uh, that Limerick do especially and, and teams do you know the, the eye coordination to be able to put out a hand and to get that into your hand that's rocketing at you is yeah. just, it, it's just beyond belief how they can do it but there's another angle on today's hurdles, guys, and I might get another one. I was involved with the Galway team in nine, nine 10 and eleven. I was a selector, and early on, and that nine, especially, there was eight of the team had no work. You know, uh, it was the recession time, and all involved in 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 building and Five of them had, I think, third level qualifications in building construction, but no work, and. We put a group together of four or five uh, and eventually one by one. But one of, one of the ladies we got involved, Mary Kinney, and, and she worked with the eight lads on their CVs. OK, they, they had no work. They were county hurdlers. And she couldn't believe how off the pace they were almost as regards their future and their careers. They were besotted by being county hurdlers and wanting to be county hurdlers to the detriment of their lives and their livelihoods. And I, I think what the GPA have stepped into in that world, like there was obviously no G, GPA in our time. I think it's awful important that that today's players are looked after them to live their life. It's an extraordinary pressure these days more than ever to be county players. I, I think that the new championship will help in that regard. The, the shorter season will definitely help. It can't keep going the way it is where we where, where, fellas give their lives for this and th- those eight Galway lads at the start of the last decade they were on the Galway team they were so far off what they needed to be in their livelihoods and eventually Mary Kinney and the group we put together got all eight g- g- employed but she couldn't believe you know how besotted they were to be county hurlers and to detriment of the rest of their lives so good on you GPA for what you're doing for the for the modern hurler, I was at their at the edge Game a couple of years ago myself, and Tommy Drum spoke to them of a pest, and I was awfully impressed by them. Not only the, the the top counties represented, like, but I sat into a table for a bite to eat with, with Donegal hurlers and Derry hurlers and Antrim hurlers and leash footballers, and God knows the mixture that was on it, like. So, uh, you know, as well as being having to be at the top of their game so much today, the way hurling especially has gone. There's an awful lot of extra pressures on them. There were definitely more. It was a definitely less complicated world that we were that I grew up in, anyway, than than it is today. So it's to your good, on ye for what you're doing for the modern player. Uh, don't spoil them too much, like. But I think that they're, what you're doing is 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 very important. But the idea of the brilliant hurler of the 60s and 70s and 80s to be able to do it in today's world, of course they could do it. But I would definitely put the greatest hurling team I've ever seen, I, I would give it to that Kilkenny team of, of, of maybe the last decade. The, the year Kilkenny played Waterford, and I obviously wished Waterford to win it. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a team in any sport, anywhere in the world in a final, given a, given exhibition like Kilkenny did uh, that day. I think out of 35 chances of scores, they got 32. And with four minutes to go into Kilkenny winning by 18 points, Henry and ran about 70 yards to get, to get to get to the referee over a free he had given. I don't think I've ever seen an exhibition of mental and talent as as that Kilkenny team, but I would give that team the greatest of all teams. I would, and at, at the 2010 one, uh, I remember being at it with my grandson and trying to sort of, uh, no, one of the later ones, the the kidney tip ones, and with my grandson, I said, "Please, John, watch what you're watching." I just thought it was hurling at its magnificent best. It's
2: it's a it's it's a it's a great great game when it's played like that. And as you say, oh, that, yeah. that, that performance against Walford as, as close to perfection as I've ever seen on on a, on a hurling pitch. Um, Joe and DJ, look, really appreciate your time today. It was important to mark. Um, the anniversary of the fact that the All-Ireland Final would have been on this weekend, the anniversary of so many great teams down through the years, um, back over the decades. Um, Joe, I might ask you, what we're going to do is, we have got um, Joe McDonough, the late Joe McDonough, um, we have got his version of The West's Awake. You might introduce uh, introduce it for us, Joe, uh, and, and we'll finish out with that.
1: Well, Joe was a huge figure. You know, he later became the president of the GA, obviously. He was an iconic figure in the world of GA. But we kind of, we, I thought, we, we, saw, we, we saw Joe McDonough in one way up to age 30. After that, he stopped playing more or less as a county player and went on his journey to be a very young president of the GA. Like, tragically died in uh, um, 2016 at the age of 62 from a horrendous cancer diagnosis. But he was our man. He was our... It was the man with the beard in his day and the long hair and the iconic fella around thing, the most brilliant singer, the greatest man you'd ever have in a camp ever. And when he had his moment in 1980, he just grabbed the mic. And for the first time ever in Croke Park, he sang The West's Awake. And and, and don't you be a West of Ireland man today that cannot relate to that singing of that song or any part of Ireland, I think, the way he just grabbed the moment is absolutely and completely iconic for me sad obviously because he's gone but a tremendously happy occasion at the same time
2: and now there is the striking up of the west awake It was great to hear from two of the real greats of of hurling, DJ Carey and Joe Connolly there. Great memories of the past and great to get their views too on the modern game. Look, obviously we would have been expecting to have an All-Ireland hurling final this Sunday. It's not going to happen this year and hopefully we'll have an All-Ireland hurling final to look forward to. Later in the year, in December, but important to recognise the great players and the great teams of the past. We would have been recognising the Wexford team of 1960, the Cork All-Ireland winning hurling team of 1970, the Galway team from 1980, the Cork team from 1990, the Kilkenny team from 2000 and the Tipperary team from 2010 at the GPA Legends lunch, which usually takes place on the day before the All-Ireland um, hurling final that can't happen this year, but we felt it was really important to mark the contribution that these great players and great teams of the past have made. And I suppose we're standing in, in terms of the the modern game on the, the shoulders of Giants, Gollum.
3: Yeah. And that's exactly it. Like an absolute pleasure to talk to the guys um, who really have helped shape the game, you know, in all sensitive uh, terms. So um, to hear their experiences, the passion they have in it Um they're always rewarding conversations to have and I'm sure the listeners will agree with that so um P, we don't have the and Hurling uh, finalists again but great to celebrate in some way
2: Super good stuff Colm thank you very much and thank you very much for listening um, and come back to us for the next episode of The Players' Voice mm-hmm.